This is the 12 Songs of Christmas. I'm Alex Rawls, and this is my podcast about Christmas music. Today's show is a wild ride. Before Christmas, I talked with guitarist Steve Lukather, longtime studio go-to guitarist and the guitarist in Toto. In 2003, he recorded a Christmas album titled Santimental. And when I got a press release about an upcoming new album from him last November, I asked if we could get together to talk about Santimental. He agreed, in part because he was planning to reissue it last year as well. That didn't quite happen, though. Stuff got in the way and time ran out on them, but he hopes to reissue it in 2021. His new album, I Found the Sun Again, will be out February 26th, so today I'm running our conversation, which starts off talking about songs I could hear at the time from I Found the Sun Again, and then we move into a talk about Sentimental. Luke Ather is entertainingly unfiltered, and I enjoyed our talk a lot. We cover a lot of bases, and his relationships to a lot of people I'm fascinated by, including Ringo Starr, Eddie Van Halen, Sammy Davis Jr. Normally, I take a little time up front to share a cool Christmas track, but today I want to do that a little more quickly to get to the interview. Since we talk about Sammy Davis Jr. at one point, I thought I'd play Sammy's Christmas All Over the World, a previously unreleased track that first appeared, as far as I can tell, on the 2002 compilation Christmas with the Rat Pack. The album repackaged Christmas songs by Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr. from Capitol Records vaults, with a couple of duets from Frank and Dean performed on TV to put something new on the set. I love Dean's Christmas music because he obviously can't take it seriously, and he raps every syllable in his own persona. While Frank always sounds like he's trying too hard. When I want to hear Frank sing Christmas music, I go back to his early days on Columbia Records when he was more of a pop star. You can hear what I mean on Christmas Songs by Sinatra, a good Columbia legacy reissue from 1994. I love Sammy's Christmas music for the same reason I love his stuff the rest of the year. He can veer at any moment into something genuinely nutty or something brilliant. Christmas all over the world is often unredeemably corny in its it's a small world kind of way, but just a few bars later, he's genuinely cool. I'm not sure you'll get all that uh, from this clip, but if you like what you hear or are curious, you can catch the rest of this online. Here's Sammy Davis Jr. and Christmas All Over the World. We'll pick up my conversation with Steve Lukather on the other side. It's Christmas time all over the world And Christmas here at home The church bells chime wherever we roam So try a Noel, Feliz Natal, Baluki Kisses To you The snow is thick in most of the world And children's eyes are wide As old St. Nick gets ready to ride So Feliz Navidad, Fashion, very cheap And Happy New Year You have a new album coming out, I Found the Sun Again And so far we've got two tracks out uh, Serpent Soul and Run to Me Now, I live in New Orleans Yeah so that serpent soul groove sounds really familiar to me. So tell me where that one came yeah. from. Tell me, tell me where. Start with it musically. Where is is that a New Orleans uh, street groove you're working? Two words. Two words. Little feet. 
I had the honor of working with Bill Payne and also knowing Richie and, and I knew everybody. And the only person I never met was Lowell. God bless his soul. And um, that music still touches me. Steve Picaro turned me on to that music when I was in high school and Little Feet really uh, hung in there. I said, when was the last time you heard a second line groove in a rock band? You know what I mean? <laughs> that was the idea. Very cool. So, and you also have recorded, at least so far, you've released Run To Me. And that feature, you have Ringo. And well, that was, that was a, uh, wait, that was an 80th birthday present to the boss, you know? And, and, and we made a little video on one iPhone in my backyard, Joseph Williams and I, as Joe's one of the few people that I actually, I allow into my house. We have a, bond, you know, packed. He has a three-week year old grandson at this point so i have trust issues and i you know there's people certain people i'll see but it's a handful that i get tested every week blah 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 okay i'm very safe now ask me that question again <laughs> <laughs> so i'm old i'm 63 man you gotta be fucking going it's starting to happen man see i'm letting the gray come in a little bit you know what i mean well you see I'm, mine too. I'm starting to go like that i'm starting to go like this fuck it <laughs> you know yep i know the feeling well so the yeah. uh so anyway so you so you recorded run to me as well so far you've released that uh and yeah i mean that was a that was uh a tribute to the to ringo and the in the era right that's why that got into tom petty and the heartbreakers one of my favorite bands of all time that whole jeff lynn another genius you know, that whole thing. I wanted to just write a simple song. Oh, God, Robocops. Not cops, but I can't stand that one. Yeah. My new girlfriend, uh, she gave me this uh, new phone, but the, the ringer goes crazy. <laughs> not, it doesn't just ring like a telephone anymore. No. It actually, like, rings like, uh, you know, this has a little song that happens. And I'm going, God, I don't want to endure this fucking song again. I, I at one point went in uh, and played with mine, and I made the uh, opening of uh, Led Zeppelin's "Immigrant Song," my uh, my ringtone. <laughs> oh, you gotta play me that, man! Oh. That would fuck me up. I would love that. I'd be crying laughing. Oh, 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 
you've played with Ringo in the All-Star Band. And, you know, Ring, Ringo's such a legend. I wonder, as a guitar player, playing in front of someone, you know, with Ringo's, Ringo's stature, Ringo's talent. Tell me about the experience. Well, I mean, I started playing music because of the Beatles. I mean, you know, I saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show when I was, you know, seven years old. And I said, I want to be George Harrison. And, I, and, and the music got into my soul. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I'm not sick. I've been tested every week. Uh, it just it just changed my life. Life went from black and white to color. I've said it a million times. And uh, the thought, if you'd have told me then at that moment that, I'd be FaceTiming Ringo on a phone, you know, several times a week because we're buddies, you know. Um, and I'd be in his band for nine years. I would have said I'd be the first man. On you froze up, man. You, you you froze too. Yeah, whenever we we froze. You froze. So hey, well, you wait. You froze up on me. I didn't hear any of that. So what I was gonna say was you were starting to tell me when we froze. You were starting to tell me about. Uh, about playing with Ringo and be FaceTiming with Ringo. He's my friend. He's my brother. Yeah. And uh, I never would have called that. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I mean, I love him and respect him with such reverence and grace. And, you know, I'm just, you know, I don't, the fact it's an, it's a great honor to be his friend and him and Barbara are the most amazing people ever. And I, I would do anything for him. That's all I can say. Yeah. It's been such, it's beyond a dream and an honor. It's beyond like my wildest dreams. Like I died and went to heaven, but I didn't die yet. <laughs> so where I was going with that, I'm thinking, tell me about something about him as a drummer that you learned by playing guitar in front of him or playing guitar with him. Look, Ringo Starr is the only drummer that I can think of ever in the history of playing the drums. If you just played the drum track, you know what song it is. Huh. How about that? Yeah. No click tracks back then. Ringo, I remember once, like, you know, and somebody, he goes, I hate playing with fucking clicks. He goes, I am the click. <laughs> and, it's like, and, and I'm doing a bad Ringo impression. Sorry, boss. <laughs> um, I am the click. Stuck in my head. That Those three words, when he said that to me, what? Nine, ten, ten, or whatever, well, a long time ago. Uh, no, not ten years ago. It would have been, you know, eight years ago or something like that. That hit me that the, they did those records for real, man. <clears throat> Go back and listen to Sarge. I listened to Sergeant Pepper's a few weeks back, and I, and just like old school, like if I was a kid sitting in my bedroom listening to the stereo, remember that word? <laughs> I got to go listen to my stereo. Uh, I put my head between two speakers and I closed out the world and I listened to the album from the first track to the last and I actually cried. I cried, wept, tears of joy going. The whole album tells such a story and the genius production, the un, you know, the most beautiful music ever created by human beings in our lifetime. And 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 to get all of a sudden the FaceTime is Ringo calls me and I go, and you know, it's like my surreal life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I sat him down. He was giving away um, clothing to, he has clothing for charity for people, homeless people. Right. Cause that's all he does is give away. So nobody even knows. I'm just saying it's the most gracious man alive. 
Anyway, we start laughing. He's going, yeah. I go, those are going to be the hippest homeless looking people I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and, he, and we had a laugh over that. And I said, and I never do this. Because I respect him as a, as a friend and as, as a human being. But I said, I took the glass off and I went, hey, boss. Can I just get real for a second? I'm like, I'm sorry, I got to put them on because I can't see, but can I get say this to you for the first time ever? I said, I listened to Peppers from top to bottom and I cried. And I said, you guys, I listened to every detail of the production. How they how could they have made this unbelievably magical music in 1966, 1967? I mean, give me a break. And I was able to say that to the guy that was there. And uh, I pinch myself and go, okay, God, you can take me now. All, every dream I've ever wished for has come true. And I'm so grateful and honored my surreal life. I'm not some jaded, bitter old bastard. You know what I mean? I still go, wow, I could have never predicted this in a gazillion years. Oh, that's great. So you recorded Tandemental in 2000. Hey, jingle bells, man. It's definitely jingle bells in my house. Because... Uh, <laughs> My girlfriend is like, she's transformed my house into a little gingerbread house up on the hill in Hollywood Hills, you know what I mean? Cool. And my my little kids who went back to New Jersey to visit with their relatives this year, and they're having a blast. And uh, I just heard text of my uh, 13-year-old daughter, and my youngest son just turned 10. It was great. It's like I'm in the holiday spirit. We play Christmas music in the house, old school stuff. I mean, when I hear Nat sing Chestnuts Roasting, I know it's Christmas time, you know? Yeah. Have you always been someone? Have you always been someone who's been into Christmas music? Come on, who who hates Christmas music? <laughs> ah, 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 ah. I grew up. I, I when I was a little kid, I grew up to a wonder next to a wonderful Jewish family to the point where actually they would take me to experience what Temple was like, and then whatever you know, they'd go to church or whatever. And my parents would take us or whatever when we were kids, and uh, you know. This, the holiday season, I mean, everyone wants to get so uh, um, polarized about when you know, it's Christmas, it's this, it's that. It's, like, it's the holiday season. The It's not the name. It's the feeling you get during the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My girls re-taught re me what Christmas really means. It's not the amount of money you spend. It's the thought behind what you give. And with that music, and it all comes together, and if you have a fireplace, and it's just the magic of Christmas. That's what the season is. Yeah. Do you have a fireplace? Yes, I do. Oh, good for you. Is it on? Yes, it is. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Are there chestnuts roasting? Only mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh at my own jokes. I'm like Jerry Seinfeld. So, why did you decide to do a uh, Christmas album? Two legendary producer engineers, Elliot Shiner and Al Schmidt, were going to start a record label called Bop City or whatever it was back way back when we did in the early 2000s. And they said they wanted me to be the first artist and they wanted me to do a Christmas album in one week. Was I up for the task? And I went like, me? What about me makes you think of Santa Claus? You know what I mean? I go, come on, man. And they go, well, no, we know we want you to do some weird versions of the songs that have never been done before. 
I go, what do you want me to jazz fusion Christmas? And he go, exactly. Okay. So I call up Jeff Babco, legendary keyboard player and genius. I go, I need your help, man. I mean, these melodies are like, you know, do re mi fa sol la ti. You know, they're all major scale. You know what I mean? It's like those kind of happy, cheesy melodies that we've all grown to love and take into our spirit and lives every year. How do I go, Herbie Hancock that out or revoice this McCoy tie or, or how can Jeff, what, what would Jeff Beck play over this? You know what I mean? I started to go back to my favorite influences and go, I said, I'll do it if I can mess up the songs and turn it into a jam session. It has to be done live and we got to mess around with it. And could I do it in a week only with one person, Elliot Shiner, who's one of the greatest of all time. He did all the Steely Dan stuff and producer Bruce Hornsby's legendary first album, you know, or not his, you know, the first, his breakout album. And, uh, you know, and we're dear friends. I love Elliot. I mean, he's been a big part of my life and I think he's one of the, I can't say enough wonderful things about Elliot Shiner. Just just put on Asia. I rest my cake. Yeah, yeah. So what did you have to do if you had all these songs that are, all, as you say, major I had key. to call Jeff Babco and go, help me fuck rearrange these songs. And then I wanted to do stuff. And then I figured, well, if we're going to do this, I ask every one of my famous guitar player buddies to come down and blow a solo or something or come down and play on the session. Because the sessions, I played everything I did live on the session. We produced up a couple of things, just like my my new solo album. But you know, we just did it in. But the weird part was like doing it in June. Yeah. How do you get in the Christmas spirit in June? Greg Bissonette, God bless him. He played on the whole record, one of the greats of all time. And he came and he goes, Luke, Luke. He goes, let me let me make this place look like Christmas. The next day I come down and there's Santa Claus stuff and lights and everything in, in the control room. So we were playing Christmas songs with Christmas stuff all around the place in June when it's like 104 outside. Right. So <laughs> it was a crowd. Everybody walk in and go, wow, this is weird. You know? <laughs> <laughs> One of the duets on there was you have Eddie Van Halen with you to play Joy to the World. So first off, yeah. So what can you tell me about the memory of, of, uh, of recording that? Well, I mean, you know, I said I, w I wanted to do like a, a hot for teacher version of the song. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you call the Ghostbusters? You know what I mean? And, you know, Ed and I, God rest his soul, and it's torn me up beyond words, and I don't want to get all weepy and stuff, but, you know, 40-plus years, you know, I mean, every day, you know, 
every day. I love him. I miss him. And I'm God bless the whole family. Whew. Anyway, he, my buddy at the time, I said, I said, Ed, come down here. This is come down here and blow a solo on this. Me and you will go back and forth. And he, and he goes, Lou, come on. Really? And I go, yeah, man, come on down and do it. We'll just, I'll get you in and out. And he did that. He came down and did that as a gift for me. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, how do you get Ed Van Halen out of the house? I mean, he did it out of love. And I love the man like blood, you know? So that was a gift, you know what I mean? And, and we just had fun with it. I mean, it's a goofy little record. We weren't trying to be like, oh, wow, it's a guitar duo. I mean, I would lose. I mean, come on, he's the greatest of all time against me. But um, we were just buds, man. He did, it, was, it was done out of love and it was a favor, you know what I mean? And I, you know, like I said, we laughed doing it. And it was just me and him in the room. And I just, I did the bunch. And, you know, I, I, I worked the machine. He only wanted to work with me. Just yeah. me and him in a room. So oh, I said, okay, you got, Elliot, you got to give me this one, man. It's Ed. So Elliot already gotten the sounds and everything up like that. So I, I just, we just did it. And we cut the track live and I left the space for him. So my friends would come over and overdub in one or two takes and boom, out, done. Right. You know what I mean? That's the whole record. So, I mean, obviously he just brings, brings just, you know, pure pyrotechnics on the, on those segments and just, you know, it goes crazy you played with so many great players and have been a part of so many great musical moments. Can you still just go musical fanboy and just like watch a guy burn it Absolute, down like he does? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I'm still the biggest fan of everybody. I keep a little, the photos I keep of people that I've worked with and played them, they're little Polaroids or little things. I keep them in my office a little, hidden places. Like there's a picture of Wayne Shorter and me with his arm around me smiling and I'm looking at him. A picture of Jeff Beck and I drinking a, a bottle of wine or something like that in my hotel room. Stuff that I would never share on the internet that I would, that are personal treasures to me. I, I Those things mean something to me and I, I would never use it to gain press to go, hey, dig me. I'm just not that guy. Sure. There was a time when I was in ex excess it was everything to me. I was loud and boisterous and drunk and being an idiot. And I just look back at myself and go, I was a kid that needed a spanking. Yeah. And somebody slapped me in the face and say, stop saying stupid shit. I'm learning the hard way. And unfortunately, thanks to the internet, it lives forever. <laughs> to uh, the singer Rosemary Clooney who herself has made a yeah. lot of great Christmas music I d oh you kidding me we spent 20 Christmases together on Christmas Eve the tra tradition was to uh, go to Rosie's house and uh, Michael Feinstein would, would uh, sit behind the piano 
and she would sing White Christmas, and we would hang because her son Miguel Ferrer was my best friend, God rest his soul. And that's how I met George, and that's how my affiliation with the whole family came into play, which still exists. And I wish all the Clooney's and the Ferrer's a wonderful Christmas. I owe a bunch of phone calls, but I think we're all kind of in hiding thanks to COVID, you know? Yeah. You also, on the record, you play with with uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Same as Sammy Davis Jr. Well, I didn't play with Sam. I got permission from uh, Alta V's his wife to, to sample his voice and do a, a parody. It's not a parody, but it is a parody. A send up where I actually, the guitar is a little out of tune and the song. <laughs> like it was really kitschy. You know what I mean? I was going like, sure. You know, cause I, I, we used to do all, everybody in LA used to do Sammy Davis junior impressions. You dig man. And all that stuff, because we thought Sammy was the coolest guy in the world at the time. We were totally Sammy. And I thought, wouldn't it be incredible? And my then manager uh, made that happen. And uh, we, uh, we had a laugh and yet we, you know, I did the thing, you know, it, it's, it's really funny to listen to it now. And it only gets listened to during like a few weeks, a week, a uh, year, but that's, you know, it, it makes me smile. And I love Sammy Davis Jr. I'm not making fun of him at all. Are you kidding me? He's one of the most talented people that ever stepped foot on earth. I, re I revere the man, but it was a little kitschy take on it. That's all. Yeah. Done, done with respect. I, I would never disrespect the man. He was a genius and broke down walls and all the rest. Dashing through the snow in a one horse open sleigh or the fields we go. Laughing all the way Bells on bobtail ring Making spirits bright What fun it is to run and sing A sleighing song tonight Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells Jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse I have to say, I saw, I saw Sinatra in the uh yeah that whole the rat pack yeah. guys but was but it I, not the coolest thing ever yeah but what i was gonna go with is i saw sinatra in the superdome i'm i'm based in new orleans and uh and sammy uh played in front of him and sammy stole the night it was uh, you know that it was i mean it was great to see sinatra but at that point at that point in his career you knew you were watching you know you were watching a lion in winter yeah. And, so not, and Sammy knew how to still deliver everything you wanted from him, even, you know, at, even at his age at the time. And so it was really impressive and uh, I had so much respect for him, not only, you know, for, for what he could continue to deliver until the end of his career. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Not everybody can do it. Not everybody can do it, but Sammy, I mean, you know, he was one of the greats of all time. I mean, it, there's nothing he couldn't do. I mean, even down to being a cowboy. Yeah. You know, you know, I bought, I did said I bought his, his golf, the candy man golf bag back in 30 years ago on, on an, at an auction after he passed just to have some Sammy memorabilia that he actually used and touched. It's a, it's a treasured thing that I keep hidden. 
as a little piece of Sammy in my house that maybe some of that genius might float around or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh, but awesome. I actually had the candy man golf bag and it's like red, white, and green. And it's says the candy man, Sammy on it. It's just, it's the funniest, but also coolest thing I've ever had. So I have to ask, does, does every rock and roll guy have a little bit of rat pack in them? Man, they were the rock stars of the era, man. Just like Mozart and Beethoven were in, in their era and by all the way up and down the line. Yeah. Classical musicians that we think of as like with reverence, like as if we're talking about Jesus or something, were nothing more than rock stars of their era, but with like a higher, much higher intellect and a different kind of music to, to be the music of the era. They were the rock stars of their era. The same with every era had their rock stars from Glenn Miller was a rock star. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and then it was Coltrane and then, you know, and then miles and the bebop era. And then, you know, Louis Armstrong and that whole, they were, Louis Armstrong was a rock star. You know what I'm saying? You, you, whatever you want to put in front of star, there it is. Yeah, sure. So on the record, you also did, you did a very heavy version of uh of carol of the bells where did that come from <laughs> we just we were just messing around jeff babco and i said let's make this weird and ironically my my son at the time trev um uh, he was 14 in school and i made him play on he did all the power chords <laughs> was, so it was the first record he ever played on he was 14 and he was still wearing his uniform from school private school when he was doing the overdubs there's a picture of it on the album so I dragged my son. I said, okay, you're going to play guitar. We're going to start you early. And he did it. And it was an odd time thing. I mean, for the, for a kid at the time. And he just absolutely killed it. <laughs> absolutely killed it. Concerns about how heavy a Christmas song could still be and be a Christmas song? No, because, you know, I don't think God gets mad at you as long as you're playing the music in the spirit that it is. Right. Did you just sort of play with the songs or did you have to like find a guitar sound or a guitar texture? No, man, we, didn't we, didn't, we didn't have time for all that. Jeff Babco was really the pure genius behind the record for. I'd say, like, I want to do this like this or do this like this. And then he'd go, you mean like this? Because he's one of those perfect bitch, genius guys that can play any style at any time. And I'd get, I, I'd spark, I'd give him the spark. I'd light the match and he would run with it. And he'd go, and, and he could write the music real fast. And everybody was reading charts on the records and stuff like that. We didn't have any time for rehearsal. It was like doing sessions in the old day, like, 
boom, here it is. Let's run the track. And then we'd start recording. Wow. The, uh, that's impressive. One, but I mean, it's professionals. They can, you know, give them a week. They can, you know. Well, that's what we did for a living since I was 19 years old. Sure. Now, you also uh, recorded, uh, you also wrote two songs for it. Well, that was the idea. That was the one little fucking wrench in the groove that uh, Elliot and Al told me. He said, yeah, do anything you want, but you got to write two new original songs. Like, how do you write a Christmas song? (laughs) I was like, what? So I got help. Stan Lynch from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and I wrote one. And then then, uh, Jeff Babco and I wrote one. You know what I mean? So I just tried to go... You know, the one I wrote with Stan was kind of a parody of Santa getting laid. <laughs> and the other one was more heartfelt in a different direction that I wrote with uh, Look Out for Angels, which was just like, is you know, it's like you never know when there's an angel around. I've right. got them around me all over the place. But I just, it, if you're not looking, you won't see them. So that was the message of that song. And I kind of did it in a more rock pop kind of a way. Another year has come and gone Life is wasting by Follow our dreams when something's wrong And I don't know why The time runs fast It's got to last The holidays you once again Are you reissuing Sentimental? We're talking about it. Oh, that'd be awesome. I think, I mean, we're going to, I mean, in this we're releasing. It's not like it's going to be a Tower Records at noon. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's like you put it online and you have Spotify and all the other digital outlets and uh, you put up some PR and hopefully the people that don't have it or never heard it before uh, will dig it, you know? I'm not doing a big blitz on it, like, oh, buy it now. And I sure as hell would never in a million years, I'd slip my throat with a box cutter on YouTube first and like throw something out and try to capitalize on losing one of my best friends this yeah. year. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. Okay. People find it. They find it. I'm not mentioning it out of respect and reverence for him and the family to show I'm not some loser trying to make money off of the name. I would never do it. I loved him that much. Yeah. And I owe that much respect to their family. Thanks to Steve Lukather for the time and the talk. Steve's new album, I Found the Sun Again, 
will be out February 26th. Sentimental is in the world, and if we're lucky, it will be reissued later this year. Thanks to AF the Naysayer for the theme music, and thanks to you for listening. If there's anyone you want to hear interviewed, or a song or album you want me to talk about, let me know at 12 Songs of Christmas on Facebook, or by writing alex at myspiltmilk.com. If you haven't done so already, follow 12 Songs wherever you get your podcasts. And if you get them through Apple, leaving me some stars and a review will help others find out about 12 Songs. We'll finish today with one more from Steve's new album, I Found the Sun Again. At the beginning of our conversation, we talked about Serpent Soul, where I heard a New Orleans funk groove that he drew from Little Feet. We'll wrap up today with Serpent Soul. Talk to you next week. (laughs) 